Hello, thanks for checking out the KZMC podcast. My name is April King, and I am the Associate Pastor at KZMC. This podcast is a recording of sermon teachings from our 9.30 a.m. Sunday morning worship gatherings. We release a new episode every Tuesday. If you're looking to check out our Sunday mornings, you can find our live stream over on our YouTube channel on Kingsfield Zurich Mennonite Church. We would also love to have you join us in person. You can find out all the details about our Sunday mornings on our website, kzmc.ca. Thanks for listening and have a great day. Why do the police take fingerprints? They're unique. Someone said unique. That's right. Do you know that, God forbid, if you actually committed a crime and were charged with that crime, your identity would become your fingerprint? So when I was um, a counselor at a federal halfway house, the, the gentleman, sorry, I just got ducked down here for a second, the gentleman who came to the federal halfway house who were in prison, they were known by an FPS number, fingerprint serial number. The purpose of the fingerprint serial number is to strip the person of their identity. So as you're going through the justice system, once you are convicted, you, no lo- you cease to be Frank Struth, and now you become your FPS number. And so that is the delineating marker that will follow you and who you will be as you continue through the correctional system all the way until that you've served your complete sentence. What it's meant to do is obviously, someone said unique, that it is your unique number. So if we were all fingerprinted, we'd all have different numbers. They don't have to create new numbers or new sequences. The second you're born, you have a unique sequence. But the purpose of this sequence is to steal your identity, to remove you from family and friends. Your privileges are suspended because you committed a crime, and you become whatever it is that the Correctional Institute tells you that you are. If you are a good prisoner, then they'll tell you you're a good prisoner. If you're a bad, they'll tell you that. They'll tell you where to go. They'll tell you when to go. They'll tell you what to eat and when to eat. You lose all your freedoms. Your identity is stripped from you. The biggest challenge that I had as I was serving as a counselor at a federal halfway house, halfway means you're halfway in jail, but halfway in the community. The biggest challenge is trying to renew regenerate, restore, rebuild the identity of the person who is coming back into the community. Some of you might be saying they shouldn't have their identities restored. People without an identity and a clear understanding of their calling and their purpose and the love of God in their lives will destroy your community. They need their identities back. We also need our identity. Next slide, please. Ava read 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10 to us. Notice that this is the identity that God has for you and for me. When we belong to Christ, our identity is chosen, holy. We belong to God. We were once no people, but now we are a people of God. We have received mercy. We've chosen to tell, we're chosen, sorry, to tell others. Next slide. What this equates to 
is that in our chosenness and our holiness, we are accepted. We are accepted by God. We don't earn that acceptance. We haven't done anything for that acceptance. We're accepted because God says we're accepted. We become high priests, not because we've gone through a program, not because we are holy, not because we've been, or we are high priests because God says we are. We're valuable. When we belong to God, we become valuable. If, for example, I went to sell these shoes to you and I told you they were valuable, how much would you pay for them? Conversely, what if I had Austin Matthews shoes or Doug Gilmore shoes or Wendell Clark shoes? How much more would you pay for their shoes or hockey stick or paraphernalia than my hockey stick? What who possesses a thing makes it valuable, and you are God's possession, and you are infinitely valuable. You are loved. You are a people of God. You are loved, and you have experienced God's mercy if you know his forgiveness. The, the graduates, if you didn't notice, all spoke about God's forgiveness. Isn't it interesting that Christians who have been in the church for decades, who have known the Lord for decades, or maybe the ladies were younger, but you know what you get, like you, you get the, you get it, you know what I'm saying, like you understand that there is some longevity, there should be some intimacy, but isn't it interesting that when we press in on God, we're surprised by his forgiveness, and we're capable, chosen to tell other people about who God is. You are capable. You are brought in here for a purpose. Like what April did at the end. Like we are God, we are made for a purpose, for a purpose. That's true. That's what's happening in First Peter. But we forget. We forget about our capacity in the Lord. We forget about forgiveness. We forget about belonging and our acceptance. We do forget. That's why Peter says in 2 Peter, sorry, this is now the second letter I'm writing to you, beloved. In both of them, I'm I'm stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder. We are creatures of finite intellect and finite abilities, and we constantly need to be reminded. Peter's saying in my first letter and in my second letter, The whole reason I wrote those things is to remind you about who you are in Christ. We forget, and we forget because the opinions of other people about us are in the forefront. We forget because our emergencies and the urgencies of life take precedence in our mind, and we forget We forget because we are bombarded with media. We are bombarded with a culture that says, you have to be this. You have to think this way. If you're not this and you don't think this way, then there's something fundamentally wrong with you. And oftentimes that thinking and that wanting to belong and that sense of being alone in your faith, it it clouds out our memory and we forget and we need to be reminded. We also have a thief who is stealing from us. We are constantly forgetful because 
of all the things I mentioned, and we have someone who is trying to disguise your true identity, trying to steal who you really are in Christ. Thoughts and influences that are alien to you, you begin to creep in. And what happens with this is you don't feel accepted, you don't feel like, you don't feel like you belong. You feel like you actually have to earn your priesthood before God. That if I don't perform, if I don't do what I need to do, I'm not really belonging to God. God doesn't love me. God doesn't care about me. And these are false things. Satan has come. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. And the number one way that we are stolen from and destroyed and murdered, the number one way is that Satan gets you to repeat the lie that he's telling you. He gets you to repeat that nothing's ever going to change, that no one understands me. He plants these ideas in your mind and you begin to say them to yourself. You begin, and all of a sudden, when you come to a session like Freedom Session and all of a sudden you're like, God is a forgiving God, and it's almost like it's the first time you're hearing it. It's because you've forgotten it's because your identity was stolen and you begin to repeat the things of the world. You begin to repeat the lies. And all of a sudden, when the truth of God comes to you, you're like, yeah, I'm forgiven. And it's like this balm of healing that comes over you. Next slide. Because while the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, I came this is the good shepherd. We went through Psalm 23 together for a little bit. That's the same shepherd. The shepherd of Psalm 23 is Jesus. And Jesus is saying, I'm the good shepherd, and I've come that you may have life, that, and you may have it abundantly. I, this is Abundance is not money. The abundance is not health. If you, I'm not gonna go into all of this, but if you actually read John 10, the abundance is spiritual. The, to live an abundant life is to hear the voice of the shepherd and respond only to that voice, not to the voices on the peripheral, not to your own internal voices, but to have abundant life is to hear the voice of the shepherd calling your name and following that shepherd. And those people that do that make it to the pen. And those sheep that hear the shepherd's voice, they, Jesus says, are in the hand of the Father and know not anything, a double negative in the Greek, meaning it's impossible to be taken from the hand of the Father, virtually impossible, the strongest term in the Greek. And if you know the shepherd, you're in the hand, and you're secure. But we don't know that. We forgot, we've forgotten. It's been, this truth's been stolen from us. And how do you get back your identity once it's been stolen. So some of my work at the Federal Halfway House was meeting the most interesting people in the world. And I've met everybody along, the, but my favorite people, because they remind me of me, are the people who committed vile fraud. And they remind me of me. Vile fraud. Men who would steal from family members, men who would impersonate not-for-profits and then take that money and do what they want for it. People who created fraud in the scale of millions of dollars. 
we had a program where we would put these fraudsters together with homeless men. And the whole idea of this program was to marry the two because when you put, when you serve lunch and you put a peanut butter and jelly sandwich in front of a homeless guy, they'd say, thank you so much for this sandwich. But when you put a peanut butter and jelly sandwich in front of a fraudster, he goes, what is this? This is my lunch. They had no gratitude, entitlement, self-absorption, and selfishness. But the homeless guy, they were gentle. They had humility. They accepted the gift. They knew that they didn't deserve to have a sandwich. They knew that there might not be a sandwich tomorrow. And so they, they had this gentleness and humility. And we wanted the fraud guys to learn gentleness and humility from the homeless guys. And the homeless men who had these soft souls, but they had no skills. They had no hard skills. There's nothing transferable into the job market or into life skills. But these fraud guys, they knew how to navigate the world. They were smart. They were sharp. They were educated. And so we brought them together. A very unlikely union as a social experiment to see, could these two people these two groups come together and create better men. One of the assignments for the fraud guy was, I want you to teach these men how not to be taken advantage of. If there are, I, I never want their identities to be stolen. I never want their hard work to be taken from them. Can you teach these homeless guys not to be taken advantage of? Can you teach them how not to lose their identity? And this was a, a beautiful spiritual lesson from the Lord. Because the truth of the matter is, we lose our identities all the time. We forget who we are, we lose our identities, we're masquerading as people of the world when you are a high priest, chosen, holy, beloved, accepted, received forgiveness, and you have a purpose beyond what you think you do. And we have to remember that. That's why I love Freedom Session. Because Freedom Session allows the individual to journey in to the valley of the shadow of death and come out the other side and understand, I'm forgiven, I'm accepted, I've been chosen, I have a purpose. So what did my friends say to the homeless guys that would help them not to lose their identities? The first thing he says you have to realize it's been stolen. If you don't know your identities out there, if you don't know it's on the black web, if you don't know some Russian somewhere is using your name and your credit card, if you don't know that, you're sunk. You're not gonna be able to deal with any of it until you realize it's gone. Freedom Session creates an opportunity for the individual to come to a place where they recognize, I not only don't know that my identity is gone, I actually don't want to know that my identity is gone because I'm in so much pain. I'm in so much turmoil. I'm in so much confusion. I'd rather watch Netflix than to look at my heart. I would rather watch sports than to examine what's in my head, what's in my soul. I would rather do anything other than, but God says, no, I love you. I want you to see yourself. I want you to see yourself because until you see yourself, until you realize this, you cannot know my love. 
You cannot know the depths of my love until you see the depths of your sin, of your need. He says, you have to realize it's been stolen. Next one. Once you realize that you're, it's been stolen, that it's not being used by you, that your visa bill, is, you didn't buy that, you didn't, you didn't go there. Once you realize that, he says you need to go to the authorities. And he taught these guys how to go to the authorities. What does that mean spiritually? Who's your authority? If you're a high priest, who's above you? Perfect. God, Jesus. You know, just pretend you're downstairs. Jesus. Yeah, that's right. That's the answer. It's, it is. It's God. He's the highest authority. And that means we pray. We say, Lord, I am a fraud. I am a phony. I'm acting. I'm play acting. My relationship with you is stale. I have no affection for you. I have no inner um, fortitude to pray or to read your word. That's who I am. And God says, I love you. Do you believe that? Or does God say, well, get back on the program, pull your saw. He doesn't say that. That's not helpful. That doesn't change anyone. We go to the authorities and we pray. I'm worried about my job. I'm worried about my health. I'm worried about my grandkids. I'm worried about my kids. You get on your knees and you pray. The next thing is you need to change your ways. Once you're aware that you're functioning as a fraud and you pray and the Lord brings to your mind, illumines your heart to who you are and where you're struggling, he invites you to change, not in your own strength. And he invites you to change the things that he wants you to change. You might have a laundry list of things that you want to change, but he's going to say, that's good, we're going to get to that, but this is first. And you're saying, this is first? Yeah. You've got to change your ways. So the, the fraud guy would say, you've got to change your address, you've got to change your passwords, you've got to change your accounts, you've got to change the way you think, you've got to change what you put in your mind, you've got to change the way you talk to yourself in your mind, you've got to change the people that you hang around with, you've got to change the source of information that you love, and you need to change it to God's word and his spirit and the family of God. You've got to change your ways. You have to realize that you're being taken advantage of. You've got to go to the authority and pray and confess and admit that this is what you are. You change your ways and then you stay alert. You stay alert, the final step. Well, it's, it's, it's like the stomach flu, guys. It's, you don't say, well, I'm glad that's over. Um, guess what? Stomach flu is gonna come again. Your forgetfulness is not going to leave you. Your ability to retain your identity is finite. You are going to forget and you are going to believe the lies. And by the way, some of your lies, you won't think are negative. You're the best salesman that we've ever had. You're a great preacher. We couldn't do it without you. You are the glue that keeps this family together. Guess what? Lies too. Because you can believe the positive press and you can, you can believe the negative press. If it's, if it's not in God's reality, guess what? You don't live in reality. 
Some of us need to be humbled. Some of us need to say, I think I'm pretty good. I think I'm almost as good as God. As a matter of fact, I don't need God to make decisions about money. I don't need God to make decisions about my family. I don't need God to make any decisions for me. I make my decision. That's a lie. And that's a lie that needs to be replaced just as much as I'm so unworthy. I'm a worm. That's wrong. If you say I don't matter, that's wrong. It's a lie. You're valuable. If you say nobody loves me, that's wrong. It's a lie. God loves you. You're eternally loved by him. I looked at that once too often, and I can't stop. Obviously, I'm not a Christian. Obviously, I'm a failure. Obviously, I'm going to hell. Lie, lie, lie. It's not true. That's good. I was preparing for this sermon, and I was thinking things through, and I ran across this very interesting story. This is a guy in the UK, and when he was 19 years old, he was hit by a car, sent flying off of his bike, and he found himself in the emergency room and in the hospital for a number of months where they operated on blood clots in his brain and other issues, and when he finally came through it, he could not remember anything about himself. He completely forgot who he was. Thankfully, his family had identified him. Thankfully, his family had brought him in. And he's at home, sitting in this bedroom that he grew up in, looking at posters, reading school assignments, looking at memorabilia, looking at um, friends' knickknacks. And he has no clue about any of it. He doesn't know who's on the poster. He doesn't know who wrote this story. He doesn't know anything. He had to relearn what was ice cream. And then it went deeper. Who am I? What kind of future will I have? If I can't remember who I am, I can't remember my schooling, I can't remember any training, what's going to happen to me? And so his family would support him for 15 years while he has no memory of himself, of his true self. And then at age 30, he's preparing an 80s themed party and he presses play on a song and his memories come back. He sees in his mind's eye Christmas the presents that his father would give him, and his mother's voice, and tears begin to flow as he remembers who he is. Some of you need to remember who you are this morning. You need to take an account of your heart and your thinking and your behavior your preferences and your priorities, and you need to put them out before God and ask yourselves, is how I'm spending my time, is my thought life, are my relationships, how I see people, how I think about people, do they match up with being a high priest, a holy priest, or are they just me? Have you forgotten who you are or has your identity been stolen and do you need to come back to the Lord and say, remind me again? Renew the right spirit in me. Free me from what I've created in my own power 
because what I've created and how I'm acting and what I'm doing right now is counterfeit, it's folly, and I'm drowning. That can happen this morning. That can happen right now. You can realize that you're not the right person. You're, you're a false person. And you can turn to God and you begin to make changes this morning. And you can walk in freedom. And once you make those changes, that's how you become alert. You know that you'll always be looking at your visa bill now. And you'll always be looking at your heart. Short accounts with people. Questioning why you're thinking like that. Where did, why am I in a bad mood today? And tracing that bad mood back to, yeah, that's right. Someone said that to me, and it reminded me of this. Freedom Session is geared towards helping us, retooling us, giving us the right ideas, the right way to think, where then we can take these things, and in real time, you don't have to take days to get out of a funk. You don't have to sin and then wait three days. It's three days, right? If you sin, you have to wait three days before you pray. That's... But we do that. We do that. We say, I, I have to do my penance. There's no penance in the Bible, okay? There's no penance. The, the cross is the penance, and he bore it all, and you're not going to um, do anything outside of that that's greater than that. You'll come right to God, right in real time, right away, and your life will be free, and you go, how did I change? Because you remembered. Because you have your identity. Last slide. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he, she, they are a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new is come. Christian is mentioned once a couple times in the Bible. Paul mentions in Christ 140 times. If someone says you're a Christian and you check that box, think in Christ. Because that's what it really means. If you're a Christian, you are in Christ. And if you're in Christ, if you're in something, all you see is what you're in. All you see is him. You can, you can have that. You can come back to him. You can remember. You can take back your identity. Let me pray for you. Father God, we thank you so much for this morning, for the men and women who are here, here because you've drawn them and you've called them by name. You have a purpose and a plan for them. Father God, we pray that we would cooperate, that we would know your power, that we would know your will, we would know your ways, we would know your grace, we would know your mercy, we would know your love. Help us, Father God, this morning and going forward, help us, Father God, to understand what it is you're calling to us and help us, Father God, to take a real, real brave step and embrace your promises of change and life and life abundant. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.